welcome to Retreat Affairs. This is your host Sascha Kaus. I'm super happy that you have found the podcast. If you're hearing this, you're listening to our free feed that will only feature partial episodes of the podcast. If you're interested in the full conversation and all content, you need to subscribe at retreataffairs.com. There, you will get access to the full recording and a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcatcher. And you will be able to access other subscriber-only content. I never want money to be the reason why you can't listen to the podcast. So if you can't afford a membership, there's an option at retreataffairs.com to request a free account. And I grant 100% of those requests. No questions asked. Wonderful soul, welcome to Retreat Affairs. Today, I welcome Claudia Spa on the show. Claudia is an author, speaker, and visionary, and she's the founder of Holy Mama Retreats, where she holds space for mothers and children to go on retreat together. You can find Claudia and Holy Mama Retreats on their website, holymama.info, or you can become friends on facebook.com slash holymamaretreats, or follow her on Instagram at underscore Holy Mama underscore. Claudia has been hosting retreats for almost 15 years. After a successful career in media, she started her retreat adventure with building up a retreat center in Goa, India. A few years later, when she returned to Europe, she created Holy Mama. Being a mother of three young kids, she saw the need for retreats that could be attended by mothers together with their children. Since 2013, she has been holding space for mothers from all over the world and Claudia has gathered a team of dedicated people around her who help her to create a safe and nurturing space for her small guests and their mummies. I've met Claudia for the first time about two years ago, when I had the chance to help out in the kitchen on one of her retreats in Ibiza. And even before that first meeting, I heard about the beautiful work that she's doing. I got a little glimpse of how much extra work and attention to detail has to go into a retreat when there are not only grown-up yogis attending. The majority of retreats are still designed for adults. I have no kids myself, but I love the idea that a retreat can also be an experience that we can have as a whole family. This episode of the podcast is a little shorter than the usual ones, and we didn't get to talk about all the amazing things that Claudia is doing. Nevertheless, there's a lot of wisdom and insight in everything that she shared with me. This is why I want to take the opportunity to tell you that besides running retreats, Claudia is also sharing her wisdom and knowledge with other retreat hosts and individuals who are interested in becoming retreat leaders. Claudia offers online courses in which she guides others to become retreat hosts and start their own retreat business. There are not many options and people out there who share their knowledge in this field. And I think it's a wonderful and great thing to do as this is a way in which we can learn from each other and create deep and meaningful experiences for those who trust in us and dedicate their time to go on a retreat. Claudia is a pioneer in her field and it's remarkable to see what she has created. Welcome to the show, Holy Mama, Claudia Schwan. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for being here and having this conversation with me. It's my pleasure. You've been running retreats for 
quite a long, long, long time. How did you actually get into hosting retreats for yourself? By default, uh, by complete default. Um, well, I was doing yoga. I was in the yoga world, but I was never trained to be a yoga teacher. I never set it as my big dream to open a you know, yoga retreat center on the beach. And in 2007, I think it was, I was uh, three months pregnant with my oldest child and I'd just done this kind of gig, this journalism gig where I was paid a decent amount of money to go on holiday. So me and my ex-partner, who's the father of the child, we decided to go to Goa and have a beach holiday. And we went to India, first we went to an ashram and did some meditation, the, the classic, you know. And then we ended up on a beach in Goa and we were offered a piece of land and it was kind of the last thing I wanted to do was run a hospitality, you know, be in the hospitality industry. I'd always waitressed as a student and it wasn't really, didn't think it was what I wanted to do. But to combine it with yoga in nature, it somehow it worked, it, it fit together and it was an amazing journey to see how when people come from the cities sometimes the simple fact of them taking off their shoes just being in the sand hearing the waves because we were in beach huts you know literally by the sea the healing qualities are just you know miraculous the the reset that happens when when people get into that into that just releasing all the stress um so i saw you know i really saw the transformation that yoga and yoga holidays provide and there was kind of no going back it kept finding me again without me pursuing it or running after it I, it just retreats just keep finding me but you said you started um, with running a, re a retreat center in India um, and it wasn't really your dream but how did it happen that I mean you like once of a sudden you just start doing retreats or you have a retreat center mm -hmm. sounds like for many people this is the dream to do this is what everybody is looking into oh, I want to do my own retreat center at least this is my dream at some point mm -hmm. well there there is a, a an element to this story which you could say there was an alignment and even though I'm not a big fan of uh, this whole law of attraction that you you think of something and you're able to manifest it in instantly or, you know, it doesn't really happen like that. But I do believe that there's this being in the right environment, having the right feeling so that, you know, there is this kind of vibrational thing that goes on. So you could say I was already in that yoga world, doing yoga regularly. And as we were me and my ex-partner, we were really living the simple life. We were taking the motorbike and going on these trips, you know, these excursions to these remote beaches and just really enjoying being out of the matrix of kind of everyday life. And he actually said to me, I this is, and it, he said it with so much intention and so much clarity. He said, I want to live here for at least a year I, I want to be able to spend time with my child. Remember, I was three months pregnant at the time. And I want to be more, you know, in a more, lead a more simple life. And bang, <laughs> within three days, the, the, the Indian guy, the Goan guy who, who owned this piece of land, 
approached us and said, would you like to rent it from me? I'm, it's up for grabs. And yeah, and my first reaction was kind of not really. But then we looked at another yoga place in the north of Goa and it kind of inspired us to, to try it. And then we went back in the summer to Europe and started creating a website. And this was a, a time when the internet was just starting to take, it was starting to take off that people would book holidays online. They were starting to trust, you know, that this was working. So in a way we, we, we kind of got in at a really good time and, um, and started advertising a resort that didn't even exist yet. So you could say in a way that we, we, we got the money up front to build the place, which... So you were selling a dream. We were selling a dream, yeah. And I, I you know, I train retreat leaders, so I tell them, first, you have to have the idea, you have to have it, the imagination, the human imagination is so powerful. And I think as we're going through this transition globally, and we are, we are, you know, a lot of us know that the environment is so important. We have to imagine these new aeroplanes and cars and machines and ways we can function before we can create them. I mean, the human imagination is very powerful. So to take it to this retreat example, we basically imagined what it could be like. I knew the yoga shala has to be in the middle looking at the sea because you get these beautiful sunsets in Goa at around six o'clock. You can time them perfectly with, you know, afternoon yoga. So it was obvious. Some things were just so obvious to me how we needed to do it. And we also knew we did a bit of a recce whilst we were there, how the huts should look because all the other resorts on the beach at the time they were using this ugly plywood and we knew, no, we have to use natural materials. We have to use this amazing straw they have and this bamboo. So we, we took some pictures of what we thought the huts could kind of look like. And, you know, very simple, beautiful, natural, fibers and so we had some photographs and then I wrote the text because that's kind of my my background coming from writing and also there's so much you can do with words you know you can really sell something I mean marketing professionals spend you know years crafting this but it, it was very authentic it really came from this place of of, of this is a paradise, you know, and, and, and it really was at the time, um, you know, the, this, this being close to the ocean, connected to, to nature and to your own body by getting into your body. I mean, yoga has this incredible way of getting us into our bodies and out of our minds that as most people in the modern world, absolutely need to do. How long did it take you to actually like bring everything to life with this center? So we um, we were there, we kind of signed the piece of paper, the contract in March. We came back to Europe, built the website and we were there in September building it. So this is all within seven, six months. And, you know, I was in the meantime, I gave birth as well. So we went out there with a 10 week old baby and yeah, a couple of people who had who had booked. And we we the first I think when we first opened, 
we, we, we were still taking people kind of off the street, you know, people who kind of walked to the end of the beach and were looking for accommodation. And in a way, that first season was, it was kind of magical because it was a very family uh, atmosphere in that we were this young family running this resort. It, there was a lot of personal, we knew every single client. Uh, we had a lovely team of mainly Nepali, North Indian, all guys. And, the, the, you know, we had a good chef, we had a, it was just a very, there was a lot of heart in it. And I think people saw that. And we also were, were we had some great yoga teachers who decided to take the risk to, to come to a place that had no reputation yet whatsoever, just based on their resonance. I mean, this is also a question of, I was talking about alignment and vibration before, there's a certain resonance. You could say if you're on the same Fractal is another way to describe it, which I'm taking from the human design language. If you're on that person's fractal um, and they and they resonate with you, then you know they'll 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 team up with you. So we had this with a, a famous yoga teacher from the UK called Simon Lowe, who was one of the founders of a big studio there called Tri Yoga, and he had been looking to come to India and he looked at you know, a few different places that were much more established than ours. But after a simple telephone conversation, he just went, that's the right vibe. That's the vibe I want. And he took the risk and he came, he came back three years in a row. And thanks to that, in a way, um, we got a lot of media coverage, including one of these uh, Guardian articles that called us one of the best um, top 10 yoga resorts in the world. So within three years, we went from, you know, building, a, converting a plywood beach shack into something that looked a bit more sustainable and eco-friendly to being one of the best yoga resorts in the world. Kind of a fluke, but, you know, that's the way sometimes things go. How did it actually feel to create all that, to see it come into life, to give birth to that? Yeah, I mean, that, you know, I think in... You're, when you're in it, there are so many different things going on, so many details. I mean, so there, there, you know, I really do believe that doing business in India prepares you for anything. I mean, it, I, I use this German expression translated like it, it gets you to grow hair on your teeth. It is so kind of insane. So whilst I was in it, there was not there was not much kind of patting on the back going, oh, look at what this amazing thing I've created. It was more of putting out fires and trying to keep everyone happy, trying to get through. I mean, I was doing this with my, who's now my ex-partner, you know, trying to, doing this with a partner and a small baby. And then I, in the third season, I was pregnant with the second child. So there were so many things going on. I didn't really go, oh, wow, I'm really living the dream. There were definitely moments like all of us in life, where we just have to stop and be grateful for what we have. And I must say, I had an amazing time and we did have some wonderful experiences with clients and, and, and you know, seeing this healing that was happening for clients and just being in that bubble of, of Goa, living that kind of counterculture lifestyle on the beach while, you know, all this stuff was going on in the rest of the world, the usual, you know, wars and <laughs> all these things. We were just in this bubble. So, 
So yeah, it, it, in retrospect, it feels like what an adventure, how brave we were to just go for it, you know, with a small baby. I mean, we were definitely, especially the, the Spanish family, my, my ex's family were all saying, well, you're, what are you taking a baby to the miseria of India for? They, they had this idea what India looked like. And of course, Goa is, is it's very different to what a lot of people um, expect. So, yeah, I mean, anyone who wants to do this, we all have different ways of, of living, you know, a dream life. And it sometimes it is, you, you, you kind of end up, I do believe that when you, when you live in the moment, what your passion is, you, it's like you accumulate more and more of that. It's a, it's a bit like you, the choices you make. You know, we're always at crossroads making choices. This is why for, for us globally, you know, we're living at a very interesting time because it's all about the choices we make now as a collective. Um, you know, more and more we're getting into the sense of we're not just, it's not about me, me, me. It's about, you know, all of us together somehow navigating this crazy world and viruses and you know, um, conflict and, you know, despotic dictators who were like the aftermath of, of the patriarchal era and, and this, you know, domination, control over mentality that is so unsustainable. Now we're here in Ibiza um, and you're running retreats in Ibiza but also in other places. But what did you actually, what, um, why did you leave India? Well, like I said, doing business in India is not very straightforward. I think we probably would have stayed longer if it weren't for the complications that kept arising. And I am my ex-partner had to deal with a lot of them just being a man. I mean, for me, being a woman in India, I wasn't treated with the same kind of respect in business than he was. So a lot of the, a lot of the really nasty stuff you know we had I mean we had one season where the police showed up at the resort at midnight going you're running a brothel I mean but there was nothing brothel like about it apart from the fact you could say that we had mainly female clients so they were just wanting corruption money you know so we paid them off and never heard from them again I mean those kind of things it's very tiring over time and I was about to have a, a second you know the family was growing and I, it was mainly the choice of of my ex, and we took on partners who we ran it with for a couple of years virtually. So I mean, we we kind of took the bookings, and they ran it on site. And um, yeah, it was a bit like uh, for him, his India time was finished. He'd learned the lessons he needed to learn, and. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think I probably would have done a few seasons more, but for me, being then a mother, I was very much focused as well then on, you know, I was also writing a book. So it's like the priority shifted and then Ibiza came up. For me, Ibiza was already in, you know, I was living in Ibiza when I went out to Goa the, that, that first time. So this felt like a much more let's call it a more domesticated version of Goa, a more sane version, kind of wild too in certain respects. 
because it's Spain, but not quite as, not quite as, um, I don't want any liability issues here, but you know, not quite as lawless as Goa. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when did you, when did you arrive here in Ibiza? Well, actually, the first time I came to Ibiza, I was seven years old. I, I sometimes joke that I brought my parents here on a package holiday. It was, the pull was so strong. I had so much power at seven. No, um, and then I came in my 30s when I was, a, I was London correspondent for Swiss TV and I needed a holiday, so I came here and I just fell in love with um, this Mediterranean-ness of, you know, Ibiza's like the quintessential Mediterranean island, the, the blue aqua ocean, the pine trees, the sand, the rocks, the light. I mean, it, you know, there's, it's, there's no mistake why, why since the 60s and 70s when the hippies kind of discovered it, it's become this, you know, so attractive for so many people from around the world. Um, but then I actually moved here when, when I left... Um, the Matrix, or so when I left my TV job, I'm so about 14 years ago. Hmm. And then, um, did you did you come in here? Did you already have the idea to continue with retreats and, and still host retreats? So again, it was kind of a, a an accident the way the yeah, the retreat business found me. So even before we went out to Goa, when I I took a sabbatical when I left television to just, I, I wrote a book and I wanted to, I just needed to do some deep inner listening. Like what, what did I want with my life? Where did I want to take it? You know, one option could have been just get another media job and buy a flat in London and stay in that and, you know, do the career thing. But my inner artist told me, no, you are here to do something else. So, you know, I took the sabbatical, came to Ibiza and did a bit of karma yoga at a, a yoga place here on the island where I literally cleaned toilets. So I went from interviewing heads of state one year to the next year cleaning toilets on, re on a retreat. And I did have my moments where I thought, what am I doing? And at that time, I'd never thought, oh, I'm going to set up my own retreat place. It was literally just, where can I live and where can I be more or less for free, so that I can keep the savings I have going for longer and continue being an artist and and all that. And then the the whole India experience happened, and we came back to Europe. And I had my second child, released the book that is about you know having children um, after you know the age that most people say you should have them so having ch baby, children in your like 40s 30s late 30s early 40s what's the book called it's called right time baby the complete guide to later motherhood so that you know was published and and it's been translated into six languages and all that so that was a good experience um and then i again i was actually approached by friends here on the island with a house that they they thought in the off season, I mean, it's not really the off season, it's kind of the retreat season now, but at the time it was like this spring autumn window when they were, they, they didn't have their summer rentals. So they approached me and said, do you want to do a retreat here? 
And my ex, of course, we'd been doing this business together in India, went, no, it's never going to work. It's not by the sea. It's, it's too expensive to do retreats in, in Europe. You have to pay, you know, the staff costs are much higher than India. But I thought, well, I said to him, I have an idea. Um, you know, because I just had my second baby. And I, no, I actually, yeah, I had a toddler, a three-year-old, and I was pregnant with the third child. So I'd put all the research from my book into practice. I was like 45 nearly. And, um, and, I, and I just thought, you know what? It came, really came out of a need for mothers because here, here I was, a mother with three young children, kind of going insane. No retreat center wants you usually because who wants children around whilst you're trying to meditate? So, you know, I responded to a need with myself, but also for a lot of other women. And um, I told my sister that I, want, that I had this house, and it was basically like a group of friends. So she told her expat friends in Zurich, and within a week I had the house, you know, I had it full. And that was the first Holy Mama retreat in 2013. So this was like going from India hosting retreats and, and being more like organizing and then having a teacher and then doing something that's focused solely at mothers and kids. That's like that right. transition. That's right. The place in Goa, we had this combination of like yoga holidays where you could just come and show up and book for three days or four days and retreats where a teacher would come and you would book for that week with that specific teacher. So with the drop-in, we had our own like, you know, on-site teachers who, who would come and teach and the retreats were much more the groups where the, you know, we had 17 huts, so we had space for both. And Holy Mama was very much a, you could say a niche, although, you know, if you see how many millions of mothers there are in the world, I, I don't think it's a niche. But it's still, it's very specific. It's, it's a retreat for mothers to come with their baby child and have a, a time to connect with you know, themselves. A lot of women lose sight of themselves, myself included, when they have a child. And a lot of women are on their own with their child and they're working and they have a lot of guilt about not spending quality time with their child. So this retreat is a kind of, combination of being able to have time for yourself and still have you know these amazing bonding moments like going to the beach with your child being in a different environment letting your child you know run naked on the grass whatever you know you 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 feel your child needs so yeah it just worked it, it, the concept worked and i've been doing it for seven years and you know i've trained retreat leaders from over 20 countries and six continents and it's so needed and so like your focus as i get it has been always much more into creating this experience so you're not a yoga teacher yourself it's not about like actually what do i want to deliver as a teacher but what do i want to create as an experience Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think experiences are so important for us, especially at this time, because you can tell someone who's, let's take someone who's working in a bank eight hours a day. Right now they're going on a crowded train, wearing a mask. They're in this kind of really not very nice environment 
for the human nervous system and you tell them, oh, there's this, you know, there's this place in the sun, you just do yoga, you eat healthy food, you're going to feel great. They're going to say, get away. Don't tell me about that. I don't want to know. It's a bit like saying to someone, you just need to relax when they're stressed. It doesn't work. You have to give them the actual experience. And that changes your, your mindset. That changes so many things. So for people to come and feel it in their own bodies, to feel how they feel when they eat you know, nutritious food, when they're not just eating junk food, when they have a, you know, an hour or an hour and a half, two hours to get into their bodies through yoga or, you know, or walking in nature, to be surrounded by nature, to be outside, that is what shifts because they go back different. That's the transformation. That's why retreats are so magical. And that's why I believe, you know, we're all talking about the new normal now. I, I've been using this term new normal for a couple of years because I believe that that kind of environment, if that could be the new normal for like, we don't even need a big percentage. I think it's about 11% is the tipping point of, of people on the planet to, to, I mean, you could say some people in Africa have that experience and, you know, we don't need to sell them our capitalist uh, consumer model because it's not really working. Um, so I, I do believe that this retreat, there's a, there's a certain cohabitation aspect to it as well, where people realize that they're not, you know, these individual pods on their own, you know, cut off from, from the rest of the world, just going into, into from one cubicle to another, where we're kind of, um, you know, we're here to support each other. We're here to, to also... You could even use the word hold each other, which you see on retreats when I, when I do these women's circles. There's so much healing that needs to take place now for us as, a, you know, as humanity. And retreats offer that opportunity in such a powerful way. So yeah, I'm, I'm completely passionate about retreats, not because it's just some dream that is nice to be in. It's because I've seen it work over and over again the last 13, 14 years. Over and over again, people, you know, it's life-changing. Hi, this is a little note from your host. I'm super grateful that you are here and listen to our conversation. If you enjoy the show, why not become a member of Retreat Affairs? There's so much more content than in this free episode. As a member, you will get access to the full interview, you will be able to read the transcript, and have the links to everything that was mentioned throughout the show. But most importantly, you will help me to keep the podcast going. I started this as a project that's close to my heart. I'm passionate about the podcast, but it also keeps me busy quite a lot. By supporting me, you will help me to dedicate more time to this project and still be able to pay my rent and have some delicious plant-based food between recording sessions. Every bit of support is super welcome. And if you feel the love, don't forget to share this with your friends. Thank you so much for your time and your interest. Let's go back to the interview. Do you, do you feel, is there something that has changed over the stretch of time that's uh, in, in the way what people need or also in the way that how you want to create that experience? You know, I think that there's definitely this trend towards more authenticity in everything we do. And I believe also that you know, a lot of people talk about awakening, whatever, you know, whatever that you want that to mean. But I do believe that there's this 
um, realization uh, more in the mainstream that there has to be another way. You know, we can't continue doing like we've been doing. That this work-life balance, I mean, it's become quite a sort of hip thing to, to you know, to we know that working that um, those amount of hours is, you know, in a in a especially if it's in a job you're not enjoying. Um, you know, more and more people are being uh, are coming into being more, um, you know, self self. Uh, not everyone has to be an entrepreneur, but but having this sense of you're not a slave for someone else. So I do believe that, you know, retreats. That there'll be all kinds of retreats, and I'm sure there are there are more commercial retreats, and there are like you know these ones that bring a lot of fitness that use fitness rather than yoga, and I think there's space for everything. Like there are so many different needs and people on the planet, but I think the the main sort of gist of it is that it's a kind of it's a holiday with purpose. It's not just you know you go away. You, you go in a new environment where alcohol is cheaper, you get drunk, you get sick usually when you're on holiday with that amount of stress, and you go home and you go back into the treadmill. That's, you know, this is a different, this is an experience, like we said before, where you get to, you get to reset, you get to, I mean, the yogic tradition, I think it's Sanskriti in the Ayurvedic, you, you get to, to reset your, your patterning. It's like the, the pattern's broken, and you can only really do that in a different environment. It's very hard to break a pattern if you're in the same rut and the same routine every day. So yeah, retreats are, are definitely, there's more of them now. And some people will sarcastically say, oh, you know, the market's saturated. I don't think it is. I think it's a question of finding your niche and your, your speciality, you know, but like there, how many coaches do we need? Well, there's a lot of healing that is being called for right now. So I don't think, you know, I don't think it's anywhere near being being too much. What is it that's different or that it's needed in a in a retreat that you host for mothers with their children compared to a regular retreat? What is the space that you have to create? Well, um, there's a lot of unpredictability with children. So you kind of need um, structure, but in a different way than on a normal retreat. So you need to create space for everyone within sort of clear boundaries. I mean, the, the, the expansion, I do believe when the, you know, there are, it's the Shiva Shakti dance, when the, the boundaries are clear, the expansion is greater. You, I mean, obviously you need, uh, child carers, you need a team of, of, I usually work with women, but there's nothing wrong with using men, but individuals who really love the work with children, who understand how it's not just a job, it's like a, it's a calling, it's a, it's being a, you know, it's, a, it's, uh, it, children are so amazingly creative and innocent, it's a bit like we, you know, we, we're kind of failing them <laughs> with our current, with a lot of our current school systems. So that's a very important aspect. And then for the mothers, we do this thing where on the, in the mornings they have time for themselves and, and the children, so they're separated from, from their child. And for some, it's the first time. So that, you know, you need a lot of psychological, um, I guess, 
understanding. Some of these women come on the verge of nervous breakdown. And, you know, as that's why you're in the way that you're holding that space for them on retreat, for them to, to really get to that point of where they, they, they sometimes do have a mini breakdown so that they can, um, you know, break through, you could say to you. It, it, I mean, it sounds kind of more extreme than it is. And sometimes it just involves crying and tears. So it's important to have really good facilitators there to, to support these, these um, individuals. It can be therapists, you know, sometimes a massage therapist as well is a lot of the ones that I work with, they have many different tools in their toolbox. So they would, you know, be able to to speak to um, their client in a way that is is very nurturing. I think nurture is probably an important word for the mothers because mothers are so used to nurturing everyone else, but it's actually they need nurturing too. And for them to understand that you cannot give from an empty cup. So part of that experience that they have is seeing how much more patience they have with their own child once they have taken some time for themselves, you know, like having this yoga class, eating well. A lot of mothers eat, you know, rushing and they're not, they're not, they're looking after everybody else but not themselves. So this is part of this experience and it is that kind of, you know, as you say in German, aha erlebnis, you know, this moment of, ah, that's what I got to do. And it's a bit like when you do a detox, you don't necessarily then just drink, you know, juice for the rest of your days, but you, you might change a little habit, you might change a little something to become a little bit more healthy. What does this aspect of spending, mostly it's a week, huh? uh, together also with other mothers to have that moment or have that time together and really see each other and exchange. Mm -hmm. That's a very important aspect of uh, the retreats. And I think this wouldn't, this definitely applies to the retreats with the mothers, but it would apply to all kinds of retreats. Um, because we are living in this still, um, you know, this, this old paradigm, you could call it, of competition and dog-eat-dog, dog and, and not trusting the other, right? So what, for me, when they, these women come on the retreat is I have a set of guidelines I hand them. They're like the, it's a bit like the circle, you know, the circle guidelines, the, the, the sacred space container where, you know, we, we, there's no tolerance. I have no tolerance for any kind of bitching, right? I'll use that word because women tend to be um, quite good at it, um, men too, but, but especially we, this is the way women have survived in this patriarchal system. This, it's, it's, uh, I mean, you, you know, take it to even the witch burnings where it's not safe. It's just not safe. So you have to, you have to call out the others. So that is something that we completely break that. And for them to feel connected with each other that first they have to feel safe, right? They have to trust each other. And then it's like, it's like this heart opening that happens. There's this quote from the 13 indigenous grandmothers. 
who you know there there are these these are these grandmothers who have been passing on this indigenous wisdom and it's when women remember you can replace it with men too but when women gather in close circles they awaken the wisdom in each other's hearts it's a very simple sentence but it's actually what happens right when you create this container um, I usually do the circle on about the second day in the evening, like they've already arrived, and you see the shift from before and after, the conversations that happen at the, at the dinner table or at the brunch table. It's like you don't really have to do anything else after that because the magic just happens by itself and they start to open up. They tell each other stories. I mean, not all of them are ready to do that, but it's like because it is such an... Uh, uh, an accepting, tolerant space. Um, you know, I, the, 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 the guidelines are so important that they all understand them, that there is no judgment. You know, there's, no, there's only respect for, for one another. And um, yeah, and I think for them to experience that reality, coming from this other, you know, competitive, everybody has their stories with the, the, the system of, of competition, whether it's from school or work. I mean, we all have stories that we internalize as normality, when actually that is not normality. Normality is us being able to be human beings, you know, be heart-connected. I mean, that's like where the expansion comes in that, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of talk about it, but, you know, we need to feel it, we need to embody it, we need to experience it, to believe it, to trust it, to go that direction. And you're also doing, sometimes, you have retreats when the fathers are allowed into the retreat. How are they different? Those retreats are actually really, they feel sometimes easier even when the fathers come. And I know I, get sometimes questions from mothers who maybe have recently separated and they're like, oh, this is going to feel really different with the fathers there and I don't know if I want to come. And I, I wasn't sure at the beginning before I started it, but we've been doing it a couple of years now and I've seen that actually it's not that much different because the focus is still on the mothers. It's this matriarchal, matrifocal, not matriarchal, matrifocal view it's not like we want to replace patriarchy with matriarchy. It doesn't work that way. But this is this more of this, you know, put women and children at the center. Focus on them. You know, we're focusing on them. We're focusing on this life-giving, nurturing, you know, young babies, mothers. And the men are there kind of holding the space, protecting, uh, supporting. So the guys that come, obviously, you know, they're kind of woke guys. <laughs> Because they're, I mean, who would come on a yoga retreat for mothers unless you're feeling, you know, that that is aligned for you. So the guys that come are usually really amazing men. They've come in, you know, to support their partners. And actually the women who come with their partners have probably the best time because they have that extra support. So they have even more time to do the massages and to, you know, they do like family trips to the beach and... It works out really well. And I love those weeks, yeah. So those are still mixed. It's not that you only have women coming with their partners, but it's also single mothers that are yes. coming. Okay. Yeah, we mix them because for some reason, 
you know, that it's still a minority who want to bring their, their male partners. I mean, we, we are looking at doing some more family retreats and retreats with older kids because, you know, it's, yeah, a lot of these holy mama babies who came seven years ago are now bigger and at school and, and it's not like they, you know, they still want to come on retreat and my kids are bigger too. But um, yeah, dads are definitely very welcome. And I do think now that, you know, in this whole kind of third wave of feminism or whatever you want to call it, this new, um, it's more of a sort of spiritual movement than it was before. At least I think that's the, that's the most powerful aspect now is to bring the men on board in these conversations. It's, it's not just the women, you know, carving out this new, new world. I think we need a lot of women in leadership just to restore the balance. It's still too, too, um, it's kind of the wrong kind of men who are in power still a lot of the time. And if you just look at the world situation now, the countries that have done the best through this crisis all have female leaders. I mean, it's kind of like more than a coincidence. At the same time, we've still got some of these old despots holding on to power and, you know, like really like going back to medieval dictatorship style of rule. But that's as we adjust, I think, you know, it, it takes time. And uh, but definitely, you know, this is not we're not anti men at all. We need, you know, we need everyone on board. Mm. <laughs> to me, it sounds like those retreats also require much more of preparation and much more of care and a bigger team. Um, how do you find the people that you're working with? Like, what is, what is it that you're looking for? What does your con team consist of? Yeah, that's a good question, because it's one of those things that it's so important to have the right team and have to have the right, you know, because it creates the atmosphere. We call it the, the love field, the Holy Mama love field, that it's like everything, it's this resonant field, again, the, the word resonance and, and vibration. Because, you know, if so, if someone, it can take a, one insensitive comment from someone. And sometimes things, you know, it's not always perfect. Someone, sometimes someone has had a bad day. And so this is why there's a lot of, it's like I have to be in 50 places at the same time. And <laughs> retreats are kind of full on when it's not just the needs of the mothers, but when you have child carers, there are individual needs of all the people working there. But the main thing is that if your vision is clear and you, you express it to them clearly, then, you know, they, they get it. And, and we have, you know, there's been change over the years, but usually my core team, it, it's like there's an attraction element there. They, they seem to find me and, and, and you know, and we, we become very close. Um, and yeah, there is a lot of preparation. There's a lot of admin as well. I mean, I went from doing every single email myself for four years whilst my children slept I would go up to my little office and answer the emails at midnight and <laughs> I went to from that to then realizing that you know this is hundreds of bookings to process every year um, I took on an assistant a virtual assistant so everything needs to be prepared like you know each baby you need to know kind of each baby's sleeping rhythm and food allergies and all these things so this is all in you know excel spreadsheets and now we have an automated booking system as well so that 
once you, you know, a bit like a shopping cart, you can, you can, if you know you want to come, which week you want to come, you can just do that automatically and then you get the email saying that you've booked. I mean, technology has moved on from where we were seven years ago, so all this is possible now, even if you do a smaller retreat. Um, so yeah, there's, it's quite a, it's quite a, a mechanism, and this is why I decided also from the years of doing this to to pass this on to to train others because you know i don't i don't want to be the old only one carrying this torch and you know, i do see there's a bigger need and i want to be able to empower other women to do it so it's not like a franchise where i go you have to carry my name and you know i'm the queen of the castle it's more like here take my blueprint and run with it and so now there are all these retreat um, leaders with their own brand doing amazing things in Poland and Thailand and England and and um, trying to think of all the countries we had a, we trained one in Egypt so you know this um, it's like a refinement that has happened over the years and it's not you know you people don't need to start from zero there's there's already so much that has developed in this industry that you know we can we can uh, we, we can sort of jump in in the middle we don't have to start from zero mm. you, you you've seen this industry grow over the last 15 years and mm. uh, probably at that time when you started it was still pretty small and now it's getting bigger and bigger but from what you are saying so far here it really seems like you're super open in empowering others to go down that road and, and do you think that especially at that time and maybe also with all this discussion that uh, came up even before covid about like the responsibility of travel how we travel why we travel where we go um, how do you see the retreat business in the future how do you see the need for retreats also what can we do with retreats in our way of travel Yeah, I think it's a very relevant question in the light of, you know, our environmental kind of time bomb. I mean, who knows the future? But what we can see now that what has happened this year is there is this tendency to slow everything down. So slow travel, more sustainable travel. I mean, what we do, and it's kind of a, a tiny drop in the ocean, but what every client who books there is um, a 10 euro amount that goes to uh, planting trees. So there's certain things we can, we can do to offset the carbon. But, you know, it's a bit like the whole industry needs to change. We need to have aeroplanes that fly without f fossil fuels and the technology, we're just not there yet. So I do believe that, yeah, mindful travel, slower travel, you know, maybe these quick city trips are going to, be less of, uh, you know, uh, yeah, less, we have to see what happens with airlines. Maybe it's uh, even, uh, you know, we really just do not know where this crisis is taking us. But if there's anything we can learn from it, it's that if we stop our activity and our production and our, and our, and our speed, if we slow it down, nature is able to, to renew and recalibrate. It's like we're we're going too fast. So travel, I think travel is still very important because I know a lot of nationalists and right-wingers will go, well, we just shut our borders and everyone stay home. That's not the answer either. 
because we need that. I mean, travel opens your your horizon. There's this interchange, this cultural interchange, and also uh, one of the kind of negative effects of this global warming situation is mass migration. So you know we need to we need to be prepared for this. We this there's this cultural melting um, and meeting that is happening, where and travel is very much a part of that. It's this understanding of each other and realizing that our basic needs are kind of all the same. Mm. And. Still with, with, I mean, you've been running your retreats in Ibiza here. You've done retreats in Bali with Holy Mama and in Morocco. Um, with the situation right now and, and also with your experience of running a center in India, uh, have you thought about going back and, and just like opening a center again and just doing retreats in one space? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily pick Goa as the, as the safest place to be. You know now, as um, with kids and 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 my family, you know my parents are still very fit and healthy, but they're in Switzerland. I do feel that Europe is kind of the place for me, and I think what I'm the way I'm doing it now, just having these couple of weeks a year. I mean, I still love going to Bali. Um, I would love to do a retreat in Goa, but to actually have a physical retreat center, right now that's not really a priority for me. I mean, I'd need to have a couple of bestsellers under my belt to be able to go, okay, I'm just going to create this amazing hub for mothers where, I mean, what I'd really love to do, and this is one of my um, visions, is to extend this this part of Holy Mama called Holy Mama Love, which is all about supporting women and children in crisis. So I'm, you know, war zones, women who have been through the kind of trauma we, you know, we, we you just cannot possibly imagine what some people have been through and be able to provide this kind of experience for them. You know, but for that I'd need investors, if you're listening, or, you know, like I said, when my next book is finished and is, um, yeah, I mean, I need to have a different kind of income to be able to subsidize those kind of projects. So for now, yeah, in a way the life, there's this allergy of a fisherman who, who kind of suddenly has a fleet of lots of boats, but actually the simple life he had at the beginning with just one boat created more, he had more freedom. So the more complex your business is in a way, the less freedom you have, you could say. However, I do feel this calling and this, it's a bit like a mission to be able to, to kind of spread this to a point of where it touches more lives. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what, I mean, I'm kind of going step by step. We, you know, we're in a very interesting time now where things can shift very quickly. So, so yeah, who knows? So what is, what is like one of the steps that you want to take next? Well, I mean, I de my, my next book is definitely uh, one of my top priorities and continue. I'm doing some, you know, online trainings. What is it going to be about the book? Are you well, it's it's kind of without giving the title away. It's a sort of heroine's journey. If you know the, the Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey, 
So it's kind of, there's some, definitely some personal um, um, memoir in it. Let's call, let's say, I mean, this is how I'm pitching it. Untamed meets Eat, Pray, Love. Untamed is kind of the new, you know, book that all the women are reading. So it, it's, it's kind of little anecdotes. There's, it's definitely a spiritual book and it's about, you know, what happens to women when they awaken to their true power. But I will, it's more, it's not too esoteric because I believe we, and we've seen with this crisis, what happens when people go off on into the deep end, into this rabbit hole of, of this is a very harsh, uh, I heard an astrologer call it new, new age paranoia. <laughs> so in a way, it's split the spiritual community and we realize how ungrounded a lot of these spiritual people are. So, you know, that this, what I'm putting together, it's a, it's a very much a grounded version of spirituality that can also appeal to people who maybe go to a yoga class once in a while, but you know, they're not, they're not buying any of that weird shit, excuse my language. I think it's very important because there, there is a lot, there's so much wonderful wisdom in, in, in spirituality. And we are just, you know, we don't even understand, a mi we, we're just kind of at the beginning of this journey. And so many people are put off by, by this, you know, when, when you get into, it's, it's just not for everyone. You know, some of the, some of the, you know, some of this ascension idea, it's like enlightenment is all good and well, but we're having this bodily experience. We need to bring it bring it into our bodies, bring it into our systems, bring it, ground it, bring it into our, you know, a living environment, bring it into our everyday lives and not be like a monk in a cave. I mean, you know, sitting for months feeling blissful. That's, you know, it's not going to create social justice or equality. How do you feel retreats can help with that? Well, I mean, it can definitely show people a new paradigm. It can show people that humanity is all about you know being together in something it's it's this you know co-creation co-operation co-existence rather than this idea we've been sold you could say and we've all bought into it no matter you know what even the spiritual movement really bought into this this individual me 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 entitled um Even if we're not aware of it, this is the way our, our capitalist, patriarchal system has gone. There's a couple, you know, a few on the top and many, many down below kind of being enslaved to those with the money. I mean, I'm kind of breaking it down to, to simple terms, but it, it is we've been sold this idea that we can keep extracting from the earth and just keep taking, taking. And this is where this mother energy and the indigenous tribes you know, we need to listen to them. These are some of our new, definitely, leaders who are saying, listen to, look at the earth, what we've done, you know, the, the blood of the mother, they call it. We've been extracting the blood of the mother until she's parched. You know, you've got elephants dying in, in Africa but en masse because, because the, the water levels dropped and the ice, and I mean, I'm not going to, don't get me started on it, but... We, we basically need to understand that we are in this together and individual warriors 
are not needed anymore. You know, we need to really look for solutions together. Cross-industry innovation is definitely something for the future. The astronaut talking to the doctor, the lawyer talking to the school teacher. I don't know, this kind of cross-insemination of the amazing technology we have on the planet. You know, we, we're like, we're living in this time that is, it's, we've never been so evolved in some respect. So it's a bit like our system, our politics are, are sitting in the dark ages. We need to bring them into this modern day and, and get out of this medieval mindset. And re retreats, retreats can do that. In a very small, contained environment, they can show people this is possible. And it's just that, that's enough. And then everyone will go back to their, you know, to their corporate job or to their, you know, to their doctor's office and go, I might do this a little bit differently now because our systems have to change from the inside out. It's not going to, you know, or, or, you know, sometimes systems change through a virus. Let's see. So what is, what is the change that is going to our, like, what are you looking forward um, after everything comes a little bit more to a state where retreats are going to be more possible? And, and what are you planning for? Well, I do believe people are going to go even deeper because a lot of people who were in denial, I mean, we've all been, you know, a lot of us in this community and, and definitely if you've been looking at the, the big uh, astrology or any of the prophecies from the indigenous tribes, they knew that everyone's been saying this is going to come. I mean, I grew up in the 70s and 80s where it was already 5 to 12. You know, we had the whole nuclear thing going on and Chernobyl and all these things in the 80s. We, I, As a teenager, I was very aware that it was 5 to 12. We're now about two minutes, maybe one minute to 12. So it's like wake up time, big time. So I, I believe that since this lockdown that we had, this global lockdown, even the people who were in denial, and there are still deniers out there, like some of these leaders who I'm not going to mention any names, but even the people who were like, oh, it maybe happened in 10, 20 years, I'm not going to worry about it now. They were like, uh-oh. You know, it's like something shifted to a point of where everything that you thought you could depend on is suddenly not what you thought it was. So that, it's like it opens a window for change. And this is our window. I mean, you hear some of these, um, yeah, philosophers talk about this window we have right now. Let's not miss this window. And I don't think it was just the three months. I think it is a, a longer window. So I do believe those people who come on retreat, maybe there'll be more people looking for retreat experiences and those who come it's like we'll be able as facilitators to take them even deeper and I do believe that your work as a facilitator as a space holder as a retreat organizer it doesn't have to be very complicated and I just started off doing it you know like running an event and a lot of people do like this is just a nice event but the deeper you go into your own transformation the the, the, the greater, the stronger, the clearer the space you can hold for others will be. So that's why, you know, without, I mean, there's a lot of wounded healers on this path too. And I'm not saying that, you know, there's a, a right way or a wrong way to do it. But I can definitely see that the more you, you know, really connect with your own, be it, you know, shadow, integrating your shadows or whatever you're doing 
whatever resonates for you. I mean, it might be just walking in nature and feeling blissful by doing that, finding your Zen, the more you will be able to resonate that, that Zen or that compassion for those coming on your retreat. You've been talking about helping others to step into their true power. What was the moment that you felt you've been able to step into your power? I've had a few, but there was definitely one that happened in Bali in 2018. Um, no, sorry, 2016. I attended a women's conference that uh, was organized by two single mothers from Canada, and they brought together 150 women or maybe 250 from around the world, a lot of healers and coaches and therapists and, you know, they called it the awakened woman. Now, none of us are awakened. We're all on the path. None of us are kind of there. But it was a very interesting conference in that they set a specific intention with that to open a portal to, a, to, to attract more divine feminine energy to the planet. One of them was quite cosmic. She's kind of really <laughs> gone quite far that way now. Um, but it was really quite remarkable because the keynote speaker was Eve Ensler, who, those of you who don't know her, she wrote the Vagina Monologues. She's a playwright from New York who had had really serious uh, sexual abuse and she reclaimed her body through her writing. That play has been, I think it's been performed in something like 75 languages all over the world in countries where you're not even allowed to use the word vagina in the title, where they had to go to parliament with the wives to, uh, to, to, like, to court to, to get the play put on. I mean, you know, her story is quite miraculous. But because she was the keynote speaker, she brought this Carly-like energy of transformation to this conference. And I think every single woman who was there went through some kind of key awakening. And for me, I knew I had to go to this conference and I defied everything, including a very disgruntled ex-husband who did not want me to go. It's a bit like he knew, she goes to this, I've lost her. <laughs> and for me, it wasn't like it that was that straightforward, but it, it awakened something in me that was so expansive. It's like he had no choice but to come on this ship with me. And he chose not to, which is fine. And, you know, everyone makes their own choices. And it did lead to the breakdown of our marriage, you could say, to some degree. It's a bit like the, when, when women get into their power, it's men need to decide to support them, to be on board with them, or leave. Because you can't you can't be in competition when a woman gets into her power it's you you really need to understand that that you're there to support her it doesn't mean you're then her slave and you have to cook all the meals but you have to believe in her vision it can happen the same for a man you know it's not like this is women and men it's happening more now to women for sure but sometimes as a man when a man gets in awaken something in himself it could be his divine feminine and he has this idea and his partner's not on board with him the relationship is kind of doomed you know it's like this again it's this resonance thing um so yeah i guess that if you're going to say what was the moment that was a moment and again it was an experience i had this experience and some of those experiences at that conference were pretty I would say it was a bit like going through a portal to another dimension. And I'm not particularly, 
you know, I haven't had that many psychic experiences, but I definitely had this a bit like where the timeline changes and time suddenly disappears and you see the past, the future, the present. You, you, you see yourself molding kind of what's coming. It's really, it was a very interesting experience. I think there are many little moments in everyone's life where you, it's like you get more and more of your power back. Um, and it is about, this is about, you know, this personal sovereignty. So at the same time as we are more cooperating, it's not like we're all going to disappear and not be individuals. In fact, we'll be even more individual in that because we'll be much more embodied in our true self and in our sovereign being. It's like this kaleidoscope of, of fra you know, beautiful different colours you know, we are all unique and individual and we all fit together really beautifully. And the kaleidoscope changes every time you move it. You know, it's like we're not stagnant. It's like the universe is constantly evolving. Well, it's quite fascinating talking to you and I really, really enjoyed it. But I also know that we um, are running a little bit out of time, but I still want to give you a last chance or a last moment um, to express, is there anything that, that you want to express? Is there anything that you're looking forward to? Um, that you want to communicate to our audience? Well, you know, I think I've said a few things that hopefully resonated for people, and that must be the buzzword in this talk. <laughs> but I would, I would just say, you know, this, it's, very, it's very hard sometimes to make decisions from our mind. And a lot of us don't have the, the kind of recipe of what is my true self? So I would just encourage anyone who's listening to explore that, what that means for you when you are in a crisis moment or in a moment where you need to make a decision about something or when you are looking for a new path to get into your body. Like, you know, maybe it's going for a walk. Maybe it's doing a yoga class. Just be in deep stillness with yourself so that you can hear your inner whisperings now, some of us are intuitive, some of us are more um, instinctive, and some of us are more emotional. I'm taking this from, from this human design system, and I, I think it's quite precise because it's using a lot of different technologies like quantum physics and astrology and I Ching. And, um, so, you know, if you're emotional, you go through a process to make a decision, and you can't rush it. So it's like we're all, even again, we're all individual, but I, I do believe that for every person to know what works best for you, and then you can more and more go into being yourself. And the more we are all ourselves and in our bodies, the more we are then responding to others and to life in an authentic, genuine way, rather than in a conditioned way, in the way our mother was, in the way our teacher was, or in the way that you know, we've been led to believe is the right way. And that, I think, that allows for much more heart connection and also, you know, the brain and the heart, we know that the heart has so much resonance, I think 50 times more than the brain. So it is very much, you know, it's like bring, we need to bring the energy more down rather than in our heads. We just need to bring it down the body into the heart and into the, the women, the womb, for the men, the horror and just be more, be more grounded. Yeah, I think that's kind of 
the final note, if there was one. Thank you so much, Claudia. It was really a pleasure to have you here. And um, I'm looking forward to have you back at some point and have a little bit more time and space to explore more of what you are doing, all the beautiful work that you're doing. And um, yeah, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. And yeah, I look forward to coming back with... Yeah, let's see what happens next. Dear friends, this was another episode of the Retreat Affairs podcast, this time with Holy Mama Claudia Schwan. If you want to find out more about Claudia and her retreats, go to their website holymama.info or become friends on facebook.com slash holymamaretreats or follow her on Instagram at underscore holymama underscore. You will find all the names and links to everything we mentioned in this episode in the show notes. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google or Spotify or any other podcast platform. Or head over to YouTube where you will find us too. Hit that subscribe button and the notification bell to be notified about the next episode. And give me a chance to ask you for your support. I make the podcast with lots of love and dedication, but it's also a lot of work. It would mean the world to me if you could help me to keep this work going. Please consider going to retreataffairs.com where you can leave a little donation or subscribe to get exclusive content that will only be available to members. This will allow me to continue the podcast and bring you more wonderful and inspiring stories like the one you just heard. Thank you for your support and thank you for listening. Until next time, your host, Sascha Kaus. Sascha Kaus